The Holistic Counseling Podcast is part of the Practice of the Practice Network, a network of podcasts seeking to help you market and grow your business and yourself. To hear other podcasts like Behind the Bite, Full of Shift, and Impact Driven Leader, go to www.practiceofthepractice.com forward slash network. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, where you discover diverse wellness modalities, advice on growing your integrative practice, and grow confidence in being your unique self. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I'm so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I'm your host, Chris McDonald. I am super excited to bring you today's guest. She has an unusual topic, which I've not heard covered on other podcasts. Dr. Rita Marie Lascalzo is here today to discuss how blood sugar can impact mental health, what are potential physical causes for other mental health issues, and what symptoms may be, as well as how they can be treated. She is a functional medicine doctor specializing in blood sugar. She's an internationally recognized expert in nutritional endocrinology and founder of the Institute of Nutritional Endocrinology, trains doctors, nurses, nutritionists, health coaches, and other practitioners in the science of rebalancing hormones and restoring energy using nutrition and lifestyle approaches, which makes her perfect for this podcast. As a doctor of chiropractic with a master's degree in nutrition and certifications in herbal medicine, acupuncture, and heart math, Dr. Rita Marie is passionately committed to transforming our broken disease management system into a true healthcare system where each and every practitioner is skilled at finding the root cause of health challenges and uses the wisdom of nature combined with modern science to restore balance to the body. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rita Marie. Thank you so much for inviting me here and for allowing me the um, opportunity to talk yeah. about my favorite topic. You have so much background and certifications. Very impressive. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a perpetual student. Oh, out of breath. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I love it. I can tell when somebody has that many trainings that you're really passionate about what you do, aren't you? I'm totally passionate about what I do and I'm big passion and my what I feel is my mission is to transform this system that is broken and people don't get the care they need. And we're starting a podcast dedicated to that next year called reinvent healthcare. Fantastic. So I'm sure that will reach a lot more people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So is there anything else you wanted to share about yourself and your work? Yeah, I I would say I'm a geek when it comes to (laughs) to nerding out on the nutrition and the science. So if I go a little too deep, you can reel me in. (laughs) But I love sharing. Um, I find that when I share with folks how the body, how the blood sugar, how the brain, how all that works, they're much more inclined to take the actions that I recommend. That makes sense. So so part of what you do is psychoeducation then. Really part is education. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. So I guess what interested you in treating blood sugar as a specialty? I didn't even know that could be a specialty. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the mental health world. Anything can be a specialty, right? Yeah. Anything can be a specialty. Well, why blood sugar? Because as I was going through practice and working with people, I kept finding that they had undiagnosed, uh, unidentified blood sugar imbalances And when I started researching and learning about this, I realized that the underlying cause of just about every 
condition that plagues us in modern society was related to blood sugar. So mental health, digestive health, um, cardiovascular health, all of these things have an underlying and an underpinning in blood sugar imbalance. And it's usually overlooked because people don't get quote unquote diagnosed until they actually have diabetes and the damage that it does to the brain, to the gut, to the heart, to the blood vessels happens decades before the actual diagnosis. So I got passionate about helping people with this. So it sounds like you're more interested in doing the preventative too. So it doesn't get that bad for people. Exactly. Like if you, somebody could tell you here, take these steps and you won't get diabetes, which goes with blindness and amputation and Ah, dialysis and all these bad side effects. What if you could prevent that by making diet and lifestyle changes decades in advance? I know my limited knowledge, I'm a mental health practitioner on blood sugar is, I know a lot of people get cranky or hangry, right? When they haven't eaten in a while. (laughs) Um, But I guess, what is that impact of blood sugar on mental health? So how do we, how is that interconnected? Yeah, there's so many ways. So when the blood sugar is out of balance and those symptoms you just described, cranky and irritable and all that, Uh, are identified. And it's actually related in my experience has been, it's related not just to low blood sugar, which people identify those symptoms. I haven't eaten in a while, but actually when I actually do the testing on people, most of them are actually high. The blood sugar is high, but the sugar is not getting into the cells because of a condition called insulin resistance. And insulin is a hormone that takes the sugar and it escorts it into the cells so that we can make energy. And when the cells become resistant because we've been eating too much sugar, eating too much of the foods that damage the receptors, the insulin can't get into the cells. So we have this high blood sugar, but low cellular sugar level, and we get cranky and irritable. So that's one way, but there's so many others. We're finding now that Alzheimer's is related to blood sugar imbalance. Wow. So yeah, I mean, that's a biggie. And that's like severe memory loss. But think about, I like to think about things in gradations, right? So Alzheimer's is, you know, a diagnosable condition where there's damage to the the brain and there's some issues going on where we can't remember things. It usually affects short-term memory. And what happens is over time, right? Imagine that it's not to that point where it's Alzheimer's, but it's that, where'd I put my keys? <laughs> What's your name? And those little things. And that's all affected. By Are you talking about me? No. <laughs> <laughs> See, right. It's a very common problem. And most people aren't recognizing it as related to blood sugar. No, I wouldn't even think that. Right. Wow. So it even affects memory. That's something. It affects memory big time. It affects memory big time. It affects mood, right? Because if if you're not getting the sugar into the right parts of the brain, then we're not going to have, you know, the mood. I can affect neurotransmitter production. It'll affect the various parts of the brain um, that that need to function right to have good mental health. We find that kids with attention deficit, which we see, I'm sure you see a lot yes. in the mental mm-hmm. health field, right? That a lot of that is blood sugar imbalance. Oh my goodness. Wow. See, I never even put that together. And, I, and as a holistic provider, I always try to consider there could be other health things, but I guess I never thought about blood sugar as being such a mm-hmm. big impact. And Yeah. And when you think about the 
the amount of sugar that the average person eats. <laughs> 150 pounds a year is said to be the average in the US. It's a little higher in other countries, actually. And I don't eat any of it. My kids don't eat any of it. So somebody's eating our share. So that's a lot of sugar over the course of a year. And that has serious impact on the hormonal system, on mental health, on pretty much everything. So we need to we need to get control of this thing. So what is the impact on anxiety? So if, if someone comes to you and they have a lot of anxiety, are you able to find something a lot of times with blood sugar? Yeah, so here's my approach. I don't believe in this for that approach. So I don't believe in like this herb gets taken for anxiety and this right. condition is related to, I like to look at the holistic picture, right? So we always start with blood sugar because if you don't get the blood sugar balance, you can't get everything else in balance. There's a lot of studies that show even related to thyroid. And we know that thyroid malfunction can be related to depression. We know that um, and you, I know you specifically asked about anxiety. We know that it affects adrenal function, the adrenal glands, which control that fear, fight, flight situation. And when we're in that hypersympathetic state, the part of the nervous system that runs away from tigers and you know protects us from fear from or from fearful events, then we cannot have balance in the body. We cannot have brain balance. And people who are hyper in the sympathetic nervous system, they, they're anxious all the time, right? Yeah. There's this less constant level of what I call hypervigilance that's happening yep. all the time. And it just makes me think about some clients that I have or have had that they, you know, we do traditional treatment and do some of the whole, even holistic strategies, but they're still struggling. I wonder if some of them, there might be more of a physical Cause, Absolutely. You know? And you got to look at digestion as well, digestion, because there's yeah. so many of the, the microbiome balance has such an effect on the brain and the direct connection, blood sugar with, um, this might be a little too technical, but okay. blood sugar and anxiety is the relationship to GABA. And there's a specific enzyme called uh, glutamic acid decarboxylase that converts from glutamic acid, which is a, um, excitatory neurotransmitter into GABA, which is a calming neurotransmitter. And if that pathway, that GAD pathway is not working efficiently, then they're going to be more anxious because they're not making enough GABA. And guess what? Some of that GABA gets produced in the pancreas and it's impacted by blood sugar imbalance. Oh, wow. And I guess thinking about depression too, is it different for depression? Is there something not being produced? And yeah, well, with depression, you know, it depends on what kind of depression, right? There's serotonin depression, there's yeah. dopamine depression, there's all kinds of things that can relate to it. But big thing is thyroid, right? We see yes. that everybody. I, I think people go to the doctor say you need to go for homework <laughs> to get your thyroid <laughs> tested. You need to get your th if you're depressed, don't like yes. just immediately go to Prozac. No, no, definitely not. Yeah, it's crazy, right? We look at the thyroid, we have to look at the gut, we have to look at the blood sugar, right? We have to look at nutrient balance. So how well are people eating? Are they low in B vitamins? Are they right? Because you need those B vitamins for the neurotransmitter pathways, you need vitamin C, copper, there's other nutrients in there. And of course, you know, there are genetic tendencies that people have, but those can all be compensated for by proper attention to diet. Really? Mm -hmm. So even if they have that propensity in their genetics, they could still try to work 
through oh, absolutely. nutrition. Wow. Absolutely. Okay. We look at that. I look at genetics. I look at, there's a bunch yeah. of, of dopamine related neurotransmitter, you know, what they call SNP, single nucleotide polymorphisms, so basically genetic variants. And when people have these, I look at what are the pathways involved with that? And then what nutrients might they be deficient in so that they're not doing the right conversions to get to the end state of adequate dopamine to maintain or adequate serotonin to maintain. And I'm wondering too, if, if somebody has a lot of trauma history, if that mm. throws off everything too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's huge. I mean, those whole ACEs study, the adverse childhood yes. events, mm. right? That affects them long-term if they're not addressed. Mm. Wow. So what should what symptoms should therapists look out for that maybe blood sugar might be out of range mm. and causing some of these symptoms? And Absolutely. Great question. So you mentioned them before that, like, I can't, I can't be, you know, more than two hours away from a meal without getting all anxious and irritable, um, hungry, even after eating a big meal, right? I'm still hungry. That could be a sign of insulin resistance, that exhaustion that happens at three in the afternoon that everybody thinks is normal because everybody they know has it. No, 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 no. That could be blood sugar imbalance, right? The inability to get going in the morning without that cup of coffee because they're not getting the sugar into their cells, um, craving for sweets, craving for carbs, right? To try to get their, their energy up, but they're not actually getting that into the cell. So they have to keep eating more uh, and more okay. and more. Which that could probably cause weight gain and cause more problems. Oh, that, oh and... yeah. Abdominal weight gain, weight gain around the middle, big time. Mm, yeah. Cause I find that to be a big issue with a lot of clients I see is a lot of tiredness and they just can't yeah. seem to get themselves going no matter what. Exactly. Exactly. They can't get themselves going and it's very common. And there's a lot of underlying causes of don't course. Get me wrong yeah. for, for that, but you know, you really have to look at uh, the possibility of blood sugar and yeah, it's, it's just so overlooked is so overlooked. And one of the, yeah, so the most common cause of sudden death from heart failure is insulin resistance. Really? Yep. You are full of surprises today. A lot of, a lot of stuff. And that's why I'm so passionate yeah, about studying yeah. it. Because I think a lot of people don't know this, do they? They don't it's, know it. Yeah. They don't realize, oh, I'm not diabetic. So I'm fine. I'm good. Right. Yeah, I'm good. Mm. So there is like really long-term impacts with this. Too. It's a long-term impact. And, you know, I think personally, I had two parents who died very young of heart attacks. And as I look back, knowing what I now know, I didn't know then, I believe that they had insulin resistance and that that was contributing to the stiffening of their arteries. Because for a number of reasons, when I look at the genetics, we have in our family, we have more tendency to diabetes than we do to heart disease. And the, that stiffening of the blood vessels comes from excess insulin. And that can okay. lead to sudden heart attack. So how can all this be treated? Oh, yeah. So Your favorite part? Treat, <laughs> okay. It's easy to treat if people are willing to do it. Nice. So you have to look carefully at the diet. And the diet is super important. And it's getting off of all that processed refined food. Getting off of the... Um, the carbohydrates, people think of sugar. Oh, I don't eat sugar. Well, you know, do you eat honey or maple syrup? Those things can contribute, but they also eat a lot of bread and pasta and those things, which get treated by the body like sugar. Yeah. That's causing... what I learned with diabetes too. Yep. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, anything that applies to diabetes applies to okay. early intervention, but there's things they don't teach diabetics, right? So the, the, the uh, food is super important and it's a little bit different than what they teach diabetics, like the exchanges and, you know, you got three of this and four of that. And like, no, that's not the appropriate way to do it. I have people test, get their own blood sugar meters and test to see how does that food impact you? Any of the foods that cause a high spike in, in sugar after a meal, very easy to test $15 piece of equipment. You can buy wow. it at any Walgreens drugstore and you go, Whoa, wow. Every time for me, it was a shocker. Every time I ate pineapple, my sugar went through the roof. I'm like, but pineapple is a good food. Well, we can help you restore the insulin sensitivity and then be able to eat the good foods of that group. But, you know, I don't recommend people go back and eat cotton candy again. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but, but it's also more than that. It's the lifestyle. So there's stresses involved. And especially now this last year and a half, almost two years, people have been stressed to the max. And what they are not realizing is that blood sugar imbalance leads to immune imbalance. And that the folks that have the dysregulated blood sugar are going to have more problems with infectious disease. And what we find with our current situation in this pandemic is that the people have the worst outcomes are actually the ones that have blood sugar imbalance. Oh my goodness. Affects everything, doesn't it? Mm. Everything. So we look at the food, we look at also some nutrients, which gets they're they're actually refined out of most of the food, but they also are depleted even further when folks have this high influx of sugar into the body and they're dealing with insulin resistance. So magnesium and chromium and zinc and B vitamins, super important. Those, and they're overlooked by the medical community when they're treating diabetes, right? It's just here, take insulin or take metformin. But in reality, you can, by changing the diet, by adding some of these nutrients in either through food or through supplementation, and then looking at stress, right? We're all, I started talking about that a minute ago, but stress to the max and cortisol is a hormone that gets produced. It's huge, right? That affects the hippocampus. So that has an effect on mental health and it causes memory issues, but it also causes the body to go find sources of glucose in the body to put into the blood so we can run away from the tiger. Well, last time I looked, there were no tigers in my life, but there were a lot of mental, emotional stressors, right? So the stress is huge. And we teach people techniques like heart math. You mentioned in my bio, I teach that. And there's all kinds of things. Hypnosis. Yeah, what, what is that? It's a technique that was discovered by the Institute of Heart Math. They've done elaborate technical studies on it to show that When you get stressed, you have high levels of cortisol, but when you combine breathing, deep breathing, like you're taking a yoga class and appreciation that you can drop those levels almost instantaneously. You can go from sympathetic nervous system, which is fight, fight to parasympathetic where all the healing happens, the calmness very quickly, very, very quickly. Amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It's totally amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we can't underestimate the power of our breath. No, the breath and and the appreciation, right? That yeah. heartfelt stuff. And right now in this world, the way it is, everybody's like at each other. Like I'm right, you're right. I'm not. And there's just a lot of lack of appreciation. And when we can go and drop into heart, that's when we make a huge difference. You said appreciation. So is it 
is it gratitude or what do you mean gratitude, by appreciation? appreciation thankfulness. Yeah. We just thankfulness. had a holiday year, right? Yes. In the US. <laughs> Thanksgiving, right? And so many people forget what the true meaning is. They're into how big is your turkey? <laughs> how much stuffing? What kind of stuffing are you going to make? Yes. How big was your spread? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's really about how much, yeah, how much you you appreciate and how much gratitude you give. Yeah. So I know you mentioned like testing blood sugar. So when we go to like our primary care doctor, is there stuff that can be picked up there or is there special Mm -hmm. kinds of testing we should get? There's stuff that can be picked up there, but in addition, the blood sugar monitor. So most doctors don't test a a parameter called A1C, hemoglobin A1C, until you're actually diabetic and they're missing the boat because they can detect somebody where those numbers are creeping up decades in advance of becoming diabetic. And we've had this happen. I've seen this in my client population where people have just like gone into a health fair and they happened to test A1C and found out that theirs was through the roof. And they were starting to get some of the downside side effects of diabetes, but they'd never been diagnosed because their fasting blood sugar, which is what most doctors will check, was not out at that range. So they basically were starting to get the the neuropathies in their feet, the the problems in their eyes, the retinopathies before they actually got the diagnosis, which is why I am so passionate about teaching people this. You want to wait until you're going blind before you realize you have a blood sugar problem. So Mm -hmm. hemoglobin A1C is important and insulin which most doctors don't test again until the person's diabetic. And even then they don't do it unless they're type one on insulin, but really you can look at those levels and you can tell that somebody's heading in the bad direction. And those are, those are simple. I like to do what I call postprandial. What's known as postprandial. It's not what I call it. It's what it's called. Um, Postprandial glucose testing. And you basically get your meter and I have a specific, um, frequency that have people do it and jot down their numbers, but also their food and their activity and their stress and start to see the connections. Okay. Wow. So I'm just thinking about that, like waiting too late, right. To treat people for these issues. Exactly. Exactly. And you know how, especially when you're dealing with mental health, right. And people have been dealing with these issues for how long and you want to help people get get their life back, get their, their vim and vigor back without having to go on all kinds of medications that only usually work for a short term. Well, these are ways to do it. This is critical. And this is the first thing I check with everybody. We check their blood sugar. Okay. Yeah. So what are other physical causes, do you think, for mental health issues? Is there more than just blood sugar and Well, you know, there's a lot, right? There's a lot of that. There's nutritional impacts, right? The neurotransmitters need to be created. And if somebody doesn't have good digestion, especially stomach acid, they're not breaking down their foods into the appropriate amino acids. They don't have those amino acid precursors to make neurotransmitters, right? If they don't have good B vitamin status, like they are eating one of these diets that's loaded with fast food and processed food, they don't have enough B vitamins, to actually be the precursors to take those amino acids and convert them into neurotransmitters. And then of course the microbiome, right? There's certain organisms that live in the gut that when they get out of balance, we're not making as much of the GABA, the dopamine, the serotonin, et cetera. So that's another reason. of course, like I said, nutrient imbalances could be caused by bad digestion. It could be just caused by bad diet, right? And 
the stress levels are, are huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what do you recommend that listeners do to keep their blood sugar levels in balance? Really look at what you're eating. Like, you know, I know you hear this over and over. Oh, we, we don't do. eat crap, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't eat processed food. Don't eat sugar. But I can't, it can't be said enough. It's an, it's the enemy, really. It's just pulled out of real food without the nutrients, without all the rest of the good stuff that's in that food. So getting off the processed food, avoiding chemicals, like organic as much as possible is helpful because some of those those pesticides have an effect on the cell membranes and the absorption and the receptors, not just for insulin, but for all hormones. And um, yes, reducing stress, right? When you find yourself in that stressed out state, calm yourself down and look into heart math because it's an amazing process. So what holistic strategies do you use as part of your daily practice? Me? Um, yeah. I wake up in the morning and I meditate. I actually wear an aura ring to test my really? sleep because I was in a bad situation with sleep. I just was like, I don't need sleep. I don't need sleep. So now I look at it and I'm really dedicated to getting that seven to nine hours of sleep every night because that makes a huge difference on your blood sugar. And what so is that? You said it's an aura ring? Aura, O-U-R-A, aura ring. What is that? <laughs> it's a ring you wear and it has these okay. little electrodes on the inside and it measures your heart rate, your heart rate oh, variability. Okay. It measures, you know, the, the sleep cycles, which is really cool. You get to see how much deep and how much REM and all that kind of stuff. It's an awesome tool. There's others, there's a Fitbit and there's Garmin watches. Yes. Um, but this is the easiest one for me. I don't like wearing watches, um, but this is real easy. I just wear it. I lost my, my, my wedding ring got taken off when I broke my arm and they didn't never fit back on my finger. So now <laughs> I wear it instead of a wedding ring. And my husband wears one too. So we are really? married mm-hmm. via our aura rings. Um, yeah, it's kind of cool. So those are some of the things for sure for, from me. And I just eat really well. I stay hydrated. That's super important. You know, make sure half your body weight and fluid ounces of water throughout the day. I eat really good food. I don't come off of the junk. I used to be a junk food junkie. I used to be a sugar addict. I don't do any of that anymore. And I figured out ways to create some of my old favorites in healthy ways. So Uh, I still eat pizza and I still eat ice cream, but it's a different kind of ice cream. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, and it tastes phenomenal. And people are loving, love my recipes. So do you, do you eat plant-based or do you I eat, eat plant-based? Meat? I eat yeah. plant-based. I've been plant-based for 35 years. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yep. And I, you know, I would never, I don't miss it. The dairy, I used to love the cheeses. I make my own or buy, buy plant-based cheeses if I really want that. But most of the time I'm eating like just really highly nourishing foods. Um, I'm a little bit, you know, from my perspective, because of my genetics, and I've seen this with a lot of folks. I look more towards the keto plant-based than the plant-based. I don't do grains and beans and all those starches oh, okay. because of my blood sugar, but I do more of a keto kind of a plant-based. I didn't know there was a keto plant-based. Well, I invented it, so. Ah, okay. <laughs> and it works really well. And, you know, I eat a lot of, of vegetables, huge amount of vegetables, not like the typical keto where they take you off vegetables because they're too high in carbs. No, 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 um, right? no, 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 no. We don't want any kind of diet that's going to take us off vegetables. So I eat low glycemic fruits. I eat plant-based, you know, I eat lots of veggies. Um, I eat nuts and seeds and avocados and olives and 
coconut and don't do oils, which is, you know, the thing people look at with keto, like, oh, oil, that's not good. And I don't even do those, right? So I just eat whole foods um, with whole foods, plant-based fats and lots and lots of veggies. And yeah, some, some folks that, you know, patients and whatnot, they don't want to give up meat. So they have a little bit of organically raised, you know, pastured, hormone-free, et cetera, meats along with that. And you said you have kids too, that, that you uh, have tried to, tried to promote this lifestyle. Oh, my kids grew up on this lifestyle yeah. <laughs> from the time they were born. They're not in my house anymore. They're 23 and oh, 27. Wow. Okay. So, and they're strapping men with these, you know, <laughs> very muscular, but yeah, they grew up on it. They didn't, they never had junk. Remember my son being like three years old and seeing somebody eating a cookie. He's like, mommy, what that, what that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's called a cookie. What's in it? I told him. And he goes, why do people eat that? I said, because it tastes good. He goes, but yucky, it's bad for them. Because I told, I had already oh, you know, okay. taught him that, you know, the flour, the sugar, the, the eggs, whatever else was in there and the preservatives and all the other garbage that they put in kids' foods. I told him they weren't good for him. So he would like, why do people eat that if it's not good for them? Good question. (laughs) They're focused on taste rather than focused Mm -hmm. on their health. And my son is totally focused on his health. Totally. You know, and he'll have a quote unquote cheat day where he eats a little bit higher calories or whatever. And then he goes back and says, nope, I, you know, like Thanksgiving, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. Have a cheat day today. Not that we had anything bad for Thanksgiving, but he just ate more than he normally would he's really conscientious about he might have eaten right before bed because there were leftovers or something like that where normally he wouldn't wow so that starts young then too i'm sure that that probably helps a lot then because i think when you work with adults too it's harder to change eating habits sometimes but i changed mine when i was 28 did you yeah and it was like it's really here's the thing um you have to focus on what's really important to you is eating pizza more important than feeling good I don't think so. Yeah. I always say nothing tastes as good as healthy feels. And I'm not giving up how I feel for the taste of anything. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I think people got to be careful with diets too, because like you said, you could be missing important nutrients and thinking you're doing the right thing, but then you're really causing more problems for your body. Right. Because they're just restricting versus enjoying. I don't restrict Like I said, I still eat pizza and breads that are made with like nuts and seeds and vegetables. Like they're loaded with nutrition, but they have the taste and the mouth feel and I can make a sandwich, but I'm doing it with whole foods, plant-based ingredients that are good for me and good for the planet. So, so have I missed anything else you want to share? Oh, we can talk for days on this topic. <laughs> There's so many things we can talk about. There's so many things, but I would say, you know, if you're working with people with mental health, do not overlook the, yes. the impact of blood sugar. It makes a huge difference, huge difference. And what's the best way for listeners to find you and learn more about you? Yeah, well, you could go to my website, drreadamarie.com. I've got a really cool little book called uh, Hormone Hacking Breakfast Menus. 
And that's at hormonehackingbreakfastmenus.com. So that's a nice little, to get an intro. And it's all about getting the blood sugar balance, starting with your first meal, whether you're an intermittent faster and eat your first meal afternoon, or whether you just eat like at the normal, you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. Um, And then Facebook, Uh, you can look me up on Facebook or Instagram and get a lot of stuff that way. I do a a weekly Facebook. um, Oh, cool. Uh, live usually on Wednesday afternoons and then my podcast which will be coming out in um February exciting invent health yes invent healthcare yeah very good well we look forward to hearing that when it comes out too and we'll be putting um all this in the show notes as well for listeners to access but thank you so much Dr. Rita Murray for coming on the holistic counseling podcast thank you so much I'm so glad to be here happy to talk to you And I want to thank my listeners for tuning into today's episode and have you joined my Facebook group, the Holistic Counseling and Self-Care Group, where you'll gain support, connection, and more resources on adding holistic practices personally and professionally. Remember to tap the plus button to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode. This is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Until next time, take care. Thank you for listening and supporting the Holistic Counseling Podcast. If you are loving this podcast, please share with your colleagues so we can continue to grow our holistic community. Also, are you ready to take the next step to create an integrative counseling practice? I invite you to sign up for my free nine-part email course, Becoming a Holistic Counselor. In this course, you'll explore different holistic strategies, how to develop your skills as a holistic counselor, and how to manifest your dream practice. Go to www.holisticcounselingpodcast.com Scroll down and enter your name and email address today. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are rendering legal, accounting, clinical, or any other professional information. If you want a professional, you should find one.